0: In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book, what book came of what became a cult. Now it's time, the Babysitters Club Club. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitters Club Club. Club, yeah. Yeah. A podcast in which I. A lot of people
1: forget that second club. Yeah.
0: If we were saying hi, but it's hi, and important. And welcome to the Babysitters Club, you would expect us to be. Christy and Marianne. Yeah. Wow, you just went there.
1: That's what it is, isn't it though? <laughs> Which Wait. is weird because like our roles on this podcast are that you are Christy and I am Marianne. And it our is... roles in real life yeah are that I am Christy and yeah. you are Marianne. <laughs> you need a Christy to say order, order, order. Hi hi and welcome
0: to the babysitters club club. I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. And this is a podcast where we read the Classic books in the Sitters cycle by Princess nope. Anne. Ma- no, nope. Prince Princetons. Prince Duns own. Oh. Princess
1: Anne Matthews. She's not a princess. Prince Duns. Prince Dunn's own. own. Yeah. And Matthews Martin. And Matthews Martin. We love princess you, of Anne Princeton. We love you. We love you. We kiss you. Yeah. And here we are. Reading- Please come on our show. Please come on our show. Anne- Change my tune.
0: Yeah, Anne. Come on, Ian. What are you doing, <laughs> Anne? We know you're listening. Anchor. Let's Anne. <laughs> more water.
1: <laughs> Anne, could you bring us more water? Anne, your skin is hanging all off your face. All right, let's stop doing our good, very good Men in Black impressions and move on to discussing book number twenty-eight in the babysitters cycle. Welcome back, Stacy. Welcome back, comma Stacy! Exclamation point. Good book today, Tanner? Did you like it? Hated it. Oh, really? (laughs) Don't like Stacy. Don't like confronting divorce. Don't like confronting controversy. Yeah. Hate that my... (sighs) Jack Shepard, Baby Nation. Anne Matthews Martin promised me Mm -hmm. that death was totally avoidable Mm -hmm. in the universe of the Babysitter's Club. She said, I promise you, Tanner Greenring, Mm -hmm. no one will ever die or even age Mm -hmm. And I said, I believe you, Anna Martin. I trust you. I put my faith in you. And therefore, I'm going to declare that Mimi Yamamoto is my bedrock, the person who I can always rely on to be there, the person who will always give us the best advice, everything I need in a mother figure, mm -hmm. mentor figure. Mm -hmm. And then Anna Martin took her away from me. Murdered her. Fuck you, Anna Martin.
0: But please do come on the
1: show. Please do come on the show. So I look for a new bedrock. You and I had to find something else to put our faith in. Where do we go? Well, one obvious place. Mm -hmm. The love shared between Mr. McGill, Mrs. McGill, you, and I.
0: Yeah. A love that could never die.
1: Will never die.
0: Should never die. And then what
1: happened? Fucking died, Jack. Nothing good can ever stay pure and good in this world, this world outside of, I want to stress this, yeah outside of Stony Brook, Connecticut.
0: I think that's a really interesting thing to come back to. The idea that nothing good can last outside of Stony Brook. Everything goes rotten outside of the town of Stony Brook. Uh-huh. I want to dwell briefly on why we're being so harsh on Princess Martin.
1: <laughs> I don't love calling her Princess. <laughs> it's, I feel kinda... like you've just sort of drunkenly confused Princeton's and Princess, (laughs) and you're just going with it. It just feels right, doesn't it, Princess Martin? She's (laughs) Queen Martin, if anything. K-W-E-E-N. Yeah,
0: Queen. Our Queen. Yes. (laughs) Stop it, I don't like it. Uh, Princess... uh, Princess... Princeton's own. Princeton's own. Princess... And Matthews Martin. <laughs> I just can't. It's in there. It's in there. We're just gonna have to we're gonna have to leave it in there. We're gonna have to figure out what to do with it. The reason that we're being so harsh on her It's because we love her. Well, it's because we love her and her note at the end of this book and Baby Nation and Tanner, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but she essentially says Hey, we did some demographic research, and yeah. we realized that 47% of our fans identify with Stacy, and we're losing sales because Stacy's not in the Babysitter's Club anymore. So, we killed the love that existed between her parents in order that we might get her back in Estonia.
1: This is our fucking bedrock. You know what? Not fuck you, Anna and Martin. Yeah. I know you were just doing your job. Yeah. Fuck you, Scholastic Lawyers, and I know...
0: Oh, but you're all sitting there right now. I
1: know a number of you. Yeah. Listen to the show.
0: <laughs> Twelve, to be precise.
1: How dare you twist uh, Ann M. Martin's arm like this yeah. and force her to take away the one yeah. thing that Jack Shepard and I had left. Rotten In hell, you
0: fucking jackals. And I will say, just to clarify on Tanner's behalf, allegedly rotten hell. <laughs> You alleged jackals. From what I've heard, there are those who are, many people are saying. Many people are saying that you are jackals who should rot in hell yeah. for what you did to the McGills. Yep. Uh, what
1: you allegedly did to the McGills. Which you allegedly did to the McGills. And Which I have... allegedly did 10. Princeton's own and Princess Martin. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. Good. We're off to a great start.
1: uh the New listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you stuck with us. We're not usually this angry, but this is the, <laughs> the second time in as many weeks yeah. that Scholastic's lawyers have taken away everything we know to be true yeah. and that
0: we love. Yeah. Um, this is essentially part two of two of a very special episode of the Babysitter's Club Club. First, our beloved Mimi Yamamoto, Claudia Kishi's grandmother. i event not talk about it. An event happened involving her. You can go back and listen if you want to hear about it. And after the tragedy that was that event, now the scholastic lawyers, in concert with a probably battered down and under duress, Princess Anne Matthews Caesar. Martin, <laughs> decided to kill a second thing, which is the love between Maureen and Edward McGill, Stacy's parents.
1: Where'd you find their names? Excuse me? Where did you find their names? Let's That's not never about in the that. <laughs>
0: Here's what we're going to do, Baby Nation. We're going to tell you what happened in this book, and we're going to do it
1: via an ancient segment. 20 weeks old, this segment is, <laughs> the prophecy says. <laughs> in which the worn text declare. The
0: ancient parchment, if yes. you look at it, it, says that this segment has been around since before written language. And Before
1: it is, the year of 16 after the millennia.
0: <laughs> it's a segment that you wouldn't think it would be hard to fucking get to uh, if you were hosting this podcast. Verily. It's literally a segment in which we describe what happened in the book. Ah, but yes. But it's surprisingly difficult. I'm trying to get there now. Verily. <laughs> Hail. I, Jack Shepard, am Nigh-nigh, going. And <laughs> I, Tanner Greenring. <laughs> how about let me just take the reins for a second here. Yeah. I, Jack Shepard, am going to give you a back-of-the-book blurb of what happened in Welcome Back, Stacey. Yeah,
1: I guess if the the back-of-the-book was the size of (laughs) the placard that the Statue of Liberty holds. (laughs) Okay, good. Perfect.
0: And after I do that, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the old clock, and we're going to have Tanner here fill in all the details with a whirlwind tour. Through the ins and outs of this, to mix our metaphors, roller coaster ride that was. Welcome back, comma, Stacy! Exclamation point.
1: Roller coasters are pretty windy.
0: Yep. Nope. No. 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 Sir. No. Sir. That's no, not sir. really a mixed metaphor. Oh, I see. You know what we should do? Yeah. Let's do the thing that I said. I'm all ears, man. Good. I'm gonna describe what happened in this book. Then I'm gonna put sixty seconds on the clock. You're going to describe what happens in the book. Why would this segment, where we both do the same thing twice, have lasted as long as it has? I don't know. But it's what we do. It's what we do. I'm going to begin. You ready, sir? Yep. In her mid-30s, Maureen McGill had everything a young woman could want. A husband, a beautiful, talented daughter, and a magnificent apartment in New York City. Talented is generous. Okay. But instead of feeling happy and fulfilled, she felt shiftless and lost. Tired of cocktail parties and Tiffany's and New York high society. Tired of her husband and tired of herself. So Maureen McGill decided to go out into the world and find a life that would make her soul sing again. This heartfelt, rapturous book about one woman's journey of self-discovery is the inspiring true story of how Maureen left everything she knew behind to learn hope, to capture joy, and to be surprised by love again in suburban Connecticut, right outside of Stamford, just off the I-95. Welcome back, Stacy. Now, what are you doing? Fishing in this hole in your wall. Can you stop? Pull all the
1: rocks out of it.
0: <laughs> Banned from his phone. Tanner Greenring, nonetheless, finds ways to entertain himself during a bleak and boring description
1: of this book. There's Jack has a brick wall here in his Brooklyn apartment. Let's not. And I just now notice on my side of the table um, is a pinky sized hole let's between not. two bricks. How about let's not? That I'm just really jamming. How about my pinky let's engage
0: with this book that we read today instead of literally destroying my house. It, it, and figuratively
1: it, it's pre-destroyed.
0: The metaphor continues to expand. Did you listen to the thing that I said? Uh, yeah, I caught most of it. I, for what it's worth, took most of it from the write-up of Eat, Pray, Love.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you what really happened in this book, Jack.
0: Great. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Yep. I want you to describe what happened in this book. Yep. During those 60 seconds. Yep. And I would like you to limit your comments to those 60 seconds. you yep. are going to begin now.
1: Yep. Um... Mr. and Mrs. McGill are having a rough time. They're fighting about everything. They're fighting about mostly money. Mr. McGill makes a lot of it. Mrs. McGill spends a lot of it. Um, they decide to get a divorce, which is tough. But, frankly, the the only foreseeable Brexit for these two... Exit. The only foreseeable exit <laughs> for these two...
0: That <laughs> was do this take here. The to only
1: to foreseeable stand. exit for these two... Um, <laughs> Mr. McGill moves to a apartment in the Upper East Side. Yep. Um, Mrs. McGill decides to move back to Stony Brook. Stacy is conflicted about whether she wants to move back to Stony Brook with her mother. Stacy is their daughter. Yep. Sorry. Um, you should know that by now, though. <laughs> Mr. McGill... No, uh,
0: <laughs> oh, I got you so good. <laughs> I threw you off. Stacy is that's... conflicted about
1: whether she wants to move. She moves back to Stony Brook with her mom.
0: Good. into the apartment it.
1: behind Mallory's house Yeah, uh, house house. into the house behind Mallory's house yeah. that's significant
0: that was a little unfair I cut you off a bunch of times that's fine look at all these rocks I pulled out of your wall just stop it uh, let's continue to talk about this book my friend we were talking about a book uh, welcome back Stacy <laughs> welcome back Jack and Tanner uh, let's see where do I want to start should we start with the Hamlet stuff <laughs> <laughs> yep good do you want to go, or do you want me to go? Uh you you start, and I'll kind of follow suit. Okay. Do you catch the?
1: Hell big, yeah, I did the big Hamlet reference. Yep. To be or not to be—that is the question. Yeah, it's early on. No, it wasn't that. Yeah,
0: it is. Similarly, has become a cliche a little bit in forever and colloquial. forever and forever, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yep. Tomorrow, this and, petty tomorrow pace. and tomorrow and tomorrow the last syllable of recorded time. Yep. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools. Out of damn yesterdays. spot. That, yep. Both Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> Sir? <laughs> both Macbeth. And w- what's the difference? Two different plays. Okay. Great.
1: How do I draw a dream? How about... <laughs> what even is that? To dream. Perchance to sleep. Perchance to dream. Great. Is that Hamlet? Good. That's Hamlet?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say let's quote random lines from Shakespeare. I said, let's talk about the resonance Grace specifically. Says,
1: How do I draw a dream?
0: Grace does? Yep. Oh yeah, she does, doesn't she? <laughs> Grace is Stacy's babysitting charge in New York City in her apartment. And she says, How do I draw a dream?
1: How do I draw a dream? To that's, sleep.
0: Perchance to dream. Wow. Great. No, that's not what I was That's from on Hamlet. To- it's That is from Hamlet. How do I draw a dream is not from Hamlet. That sounds like it's from Reading Rainbow. <laughs> um, how about we let me say the thing? Yep. Great. There's a moment when Stacy is still in denial that her parents are going to get a divorce. Uh-huh. And she says... It's well, I've
1: been through that, right?
0: Except Jack. Right. His parents love one another. So 50% have been through that. Can't you work things out like two adults... That's what you always say to me when I'm having a fight with a friend. I was protesting too much. Isn't that how the saying goes?
1: She doth protest too much.
0: The lady doth protest too much, methinks, says Gertrude to Hamlet. Yep. In Hamlet. The play? The play by Shakespeare. Yeah. And there are a number of reasons why I thought that that was more than toss-off line here. First of all, Hamlet is a play that is about the most fucked up marriage ever.
1: Okay. Do you mean Macbeth?
0: No, I mean Hamlet.
1: Out, out, damn spot?
0: Gertrude, like Hamlet's mom, marries this new dude who just killed his dad.
1: Well, she didn't know.
0: She kind of knew. <laughs> uh, second of all, the choice that Stacy, I mean Hamlet, has to make is whether or not to dispose of her. Her father, right? Yes. For Stacy to go back to Stony Brook, she must first commit this ritual act.
1: But as Claudia says she to her,
0: wounds her own father. As
1: Claudia says to her, to address this point, you had to make a decision. Stacy has to make a decision. She either has to wound her father or her mother. Right. There's no way to not wound anybody. But as counterpoint, we always knew what she was going
0: to do. This. Is a novel that is in many ways about agency.
1: Yep. It's about uh, agree,
0: hard agree. It's about Stacy having this choice. Yep. Do I live with my mom? Do I live with my dad? What do I do? The book is her dithering the whole way through, like Hamlet. Yep. Whether it is nobler in the mind to go to Stony Brook, suffer and live with and my arrows mom, Stony Brook, or to move to the fucking suffer shitty the ass and
1: arrows of New York
0: City, Upper East Side, <laughs> with my dad. Yes. And yet, and yet, yet as and yet. I think you will have noted as well, that agency doesn't really exist. Because this book is called Welcome, Welcome Back, back Stacey. Stacey. Welcome back. Welcome back. You're going back to Stony Brook. She always knew that what she was going to do was kill her father, was kill off the toxic masculinity that was controlling her life. Well, good. That this was, is
1: empowering then, Jack. Here's what I captured. Yeah. Could I leave New York again? How could I leave behind everything I love? I'd have to leave Lane, Grace, Henry, and the city itself. I truly heart New York. Yeah. The note I captured was Oh no, what will Stacy do in this book titled <laughs> <laughs> Welcome Back Stacy? <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, Anna Martin does not leave a lot to the imagination here
0: it would be as if and maybe this is true the working title for hamlet had been hamlet kills claudius eventually (laughs) (laughs) exclamation point yeah
1: well anna martin is in a lot of ways much like shakespeare yeah very prolific yeah very beloved yeah brilliant wordsmith Mm -hmm. but she's writing for a 13 year old audience right so subtlety is well iffy if you think I about I mean she totally caught us off guard last week with Claudia and the sad goodbye. We had no idea that Claudia was going to be saying goodbye to Mimi. Yeah. And here we are in a Mimi-less world. Right. Listless, drifting in the darkness. Is it possible that given the
0: strict and strange and arcane rules of fictional or outside of time, outside of reality Stony Brook Connecticut that Mimi had to die? In order to bring the seven babysitters back together, that that was her last gift to us. That she expended her energy. What so a terrible
1: the, gift! So oh, the, Mimi dies so you can bring fucking Stacy McGill back? It's not about
0: Stacy. I agree. Worst babysitter. Ugh. But it's about making the seven one again. Like, do you think that the expenditure of energy that happened in Mimi's yes, absolutely. voluntary so. sacrifice yes is what brought Stacy back? Yes.
1: Absolutely, I think. so. I think so too. There was only room for one nanny. Nani
0: being Christie's grandmother. Yeah, and seven. There must be
1: seven. There must be seven for the circle to be complete. There must be seven. There must be seven yeah. babysitters, and there must be one nanny. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I absolutely think Mimi Yamamoto yeah. sacrificed herself. I hate that the seven are one again, man. It's too many babysitters. Someone's gonna go. <gasps> yeah. And I have I have some suggestions for who should depart. Now that Stacy is back. Okay. Stacy. Stacy. Number one is (laughs) Stacy.
0: Number one is Stacy. Go back to New York. Maybe probably also Claudia. (gasps) No. Okay. All right. I'll take it back. I take it back. I take it back. Her grandmother just died. You monster. She actually seems better. She seems better now that Stacy's back. Mimi is still warm. No, she's not. Actually, I have a line.
1: Oh, yeah. Stacy really, like, goes to a really morbid place at some point <laughs> late in the book. Yeah,
0: here we go. Here's proof that Mimi, and sorry everybody, but is not still warm. Claudia and I both stopped working for a moment and knew we were remembering that sunny day when we would buried Mimi, watching whatever was left of her as she was lowered into a cold hole in the ground. Claudia had tossed a flower onto her casket.
1: Like, fucking hell. That's just what Stacy fantasizes. Like, that's what goes through <laughs> her head at all times. Yeah. Like, she's just picturing scenes of death.
0: <laughs> she's really fucked up. Stacey is fucked up? Well, is it her New York values, you
1: know? Yeah, just like me and you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a theory about this book. Okay. What is one clear signal... That everything you're about to encounter is absurdist fiction in the Babysitter's Club universe. In the Babysitter's Club
0: universe, and this is established in many previous books, when Anne Matthews Martin introduces an elephant in some way, that means shit is going to go completely off the deep end. It's going to become absurd, chaotic, and strange and unpredictable.
1: Page 12 of my text. Mm Mm-hmm. Stacy is watching two of her New York City charges, mm-hmm. Grace and Henry. How are you doing? I asked Grace, looking at her picture. Grace was bent over, concentrating hard. She was drawing slowly and carefully, her tongue sticking out of the corner of her mouth. Fine, she replied, straightening up. Do you like my picture, Stacy? It's an elephant. And the elephant is in a bathtub. There's no water in it. He's taking a nap. See? There's a pillow. Yeah. Henry giggled. Give him a blanket, he said. <laughs> Show him that he's dreaming about a Bronto. (laughs) This book didn't actually happen. This book is a dream sequence. (laughs) Okay. I don't think Stacy's actually back in Stony Brook. What we've been given here is a clear indication that this is absurdist. And then Henry doubles down by saying, show him that he's dreaming about a Bronto. Show him that he's dreaming about something extinct, something past, something that will never exist again. Wow.
0: The seven being one.
1: Stacy living in
0: Stony Brook. Stacy living in Stony Brook. Claudia being
1: happy again. Yeah. It's a dream sequence. Literally the next line. Yeah. After that, give him a blanket, he said, and show that he's dreaming about a Bronto. How yeah. do I draw a dream, says Grace. That's from Hamlet, right? Yeah, it's from Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This is a fantasy. And therefore, yeah, the McGills, Mr. and Mrs. Still happy. Still very happy. They love each other. This is a perverted fantasy on the part of Stacey McGill, a dream fantasy. Right. Just to get back to the way things were back in Stony Brook, the yeah. beautiful, idealistic place that is Stony Brook. Wow. I think either Stacey did in fact move back to Stony Brook, which is very unlikely at this point. Right. Or from book 28 on, everything is a dream within the mind of Stacey McGill. All right. Let's bear that in mind.
0: Um, very briefly, the thing that I want to talk about that may play into your idea that this is a dream. Did you note which specific house Stacy and her mom eventually choose to move into? Absolutely,
1: I did. Do you know whose house it was? It was the French Witch Hunters. Yeah. (laughs) The French Witch Hunters no longer live in Stony Brook. Yeah. I assume because their mission is complete.
0: Hang on, hang on. If you have a passing memory of having read these books as a kid, right, you may have missed or have forgotten. or Oh, I would have, I would have said the
1: opposite. I would have said if you had a passing memory of these books, you probably remember yeah. the French witch hunters yeah. who lived in the house behind the Pike's house. Right. But maybe you'd like to explain for the baby bees who have forgotten. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the French government, under the guidance of <laughs> Charles... Uh, Charles de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle. Yep. Sent over two French spies Mm -hmm. to keep an eye on the increasing paranormal activity in Stony Brook and Naked. This is established in the text. This is established in the text. They are witch hunters. They Mm -hmm. are there to hunt down witches like morbid Destiny, like the burgeoning talent of
0: Karen Brewer. Brewer. Uh
1: They are there to keep an eye on the doll threat. Uh So the Pike kids like to spy on these two French people. Right. They were convinced that they were Russian spies. Turns out that they were actually French witch hunters. Yeah. They're now gone. Yeah. What could cause a house previously occupied by two French witch hunters to suddenly be available under market Right, in a good neighborhood for a recent divorcee and her daughter? Here's what I think.
0: The French witch hunters never did a great job, right? Stony Brook is fucking infested with witches. I love that the French government is expending resources in the 80s to try to deal with this. Yeah. But it's not working. I think this was a scouting mission. When Stacy comes back Mm. and the seven are one, again, Mm -hmm. there are seven babysitters. The circle is complete. They don't need some, like, vigilante French motherfuckers to do the work that Americans can do in Stony Brook. As soon as they learn that the McGill's love had been killed off... yeah. And Stacy was coming home. They were like, our work is done here.
1: We are not needed here. We're not needed here. Well,
0: uh, should we move into a segment, my man?
1: I captured something. Okay. That I like to think of. Yeah. As a... (gasps) Tearful moment. The McGills, no, sorry.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the McGills, yeah, spend this entire book fighting. Yeah. About frankly like ridiculous things. Yeah. Stacy's trying to decide between whether or not she's going to move in with her father who's remaining in New York City mm-hmm. and her mother who's at this point in the text considering moving back to Stony Brook, Connecticut. Right. It's on the cards. "Where's the apartment, Dad?" I asked. East Sixties, East Sixty Fifth Street to be exact. Never lived on the East Side, I said. A horrible expression crossed Mom's face. You want to move in with your father? I thought you'd want to go back to Stony Brook, Stacy. You said that it was up to me. Besides, I didn't say I was going to go live with Dad. Just that I've never lived on the East Side, and this is my tearful moment. Yeah. Dad said, uh, "East Fifty Sixth Street is just a few inches away from Bloomingdale's." <laughs> It's just this like incredibly uh fraught emotional moment. Yeah. Where everyone is just making a land grab. Yeah. And all Mr. McGill can think to do is just be like, <laughs> like, like his, his wife, who he still loves but is no longer in love with. Yeah. As and his in daughter tennis. are like panicking. Yeah. And he's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh yeah. it's just a few blocks from Blooming And
0: he does I'm a- just trying to make you happy. I felt so bad for him during this whole turf war over Stacy. He like he's trying his best. Like he he obviously wants Stacy to move in with him. Yeah. He's like, "Good news, Stacy. I found a man cave." Like, on the Upper East Side, like, there's, like, a game room.
1: It's just a couple blocks away from Bloomingdale's.
0: Yeah, it's right across the street from this awesome dive bar, and, like, he suddenly realizes when Stacy is talking about where she's actually going to live that he's completely misjudged what she wants, and he pulls in this, like, fucking Bloomingdale shit.
1: I'm going to look it up. He lives on the corner of 65th and 3rd Avenue. There's no, mm. there's no bars in that area.
0: No, there's no bars in that area. I've tried to go there. They could go to like... I don't, no, it's a nightmare. It's a fucking nightmare. It's a hell to live there.
1: I'm scanning through Google Maps. There's no bars in there. There's area. nothing there. We're going to meet women.
0: Oh, so this comes up in the book. Did you catch this? No. There's a Le Pong Quotidion. Uh Le Pong. Stacey is waiting for her dad to come home. And she goes, but dad didn't come home. He phoned to say he was going to spend the evening apartment hunting and then sleep at his office. He does that sometimes. There's a couch in his office, and he keeps a clean suit hanging behind the door. Yeah, Your dad's not fucking sleeping at the office, dude. No. He Who he's sleeping with? Ed- Edward McGill is not sleeping. Who's he sleeping with? Who
1: did we decide was an escort? <laughs> Mrs. Radowski? Mrs. Barrett. <laughs> Mrs. Barrett.
0: Mrs. <laughs> Barrett. He's out in Sonnybrook yeah. visiting Mrs. Barrett. Well, and you know what this made me think, too, related to that is that there's only one real eligible bachelor in Stony Brook.
1: Oh my god, I thought this exact same thing. Yeah. There's a new go-to her.
0: Wow, what?
1: Tell me. Well, Mrs. McGill, yeah, who I assume will retake her maiden name, I don't know what it is, but yeah. we'll find out soon enough, is now on the market in Stony Brook, Connecticut. Yeah. And you know who is also on the market in Salisbury, Connecticut? Tripman? <laughs> no. Jack? <laughs> Mr. Spear. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm telling you. This terrifies me. Mr. Spear. I think Mrs. Schaefer Dude. Fine. Stay with Tripman, Mrs. No, Schaefer. You. You've no, no, made no. your own bed. No, I I this you took down the exact opposite thing from what I took
0: down. I was like, "Do not Miss McGill, she's a Gorgeous, intellectual, yeah. fascinating New York woman coming oh, to Stony
1: Brook. Sounds wonderful. That's going to be dangerous for Mr. Spear. Like, no, absolutely not. Mr. Spear should go to her. Wait, go to her, Mr. Spear. Go to her. Do you, you don't care at all about his relationship with Don's mom? Don's mom made her
0: choice. She wow. loves Trip Man. Oh, I strongly disagree with this. I strongly disagree with this. I Mrs. wrote this Schaefer down. loves Tripman. Oh, keep your claws out of Mr. Spear, Mrs. McGill.
1: Hard disagree. Go to him.
0: <laughs> wow. You heard it here first. Baby Go nation. to him. Wow. Wow. No. Don's mom and Marion's dad are a match made in heaven. They've been waiting since fucking high school. I ship <laughs> Mrs. McGill, Uh baby nation that's maiden a- name, TBD Piece of terminology from the modern times And Mr. Spear Wow, wow, I strongly disagree OTP (laughs) Good, good I know what that means, I wish I didn't (laughs) But here we are Jacko Uh, Yes My bud Sir Jazz Okay, yep Jazz Yep, yep
1: Can I ask you a question? Yeah, please If I were to crack open a closet right now No okay this is not the
0: question I was expecting you to ask <laughs> yep
1: would you uh, would you take a peek inside with me yeah I'll take a peek into <laughs> Claudia's closet featuring guest star Alan gray
0: oh. <laughs> uh, let's Let's have a look inside, sir. Yeah. Let's have a look. What's inside this
1: joint closet? Anything jump out at you wardrobe-wise this week?
0: Yeah. It happened to be what Alan Gray was (laughs) (laughs) doing. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Uh, I wrote it down under my segment, Claudia's Closet. Yeah,
1: Baby Nation. Alan Gray is a boy who goes to Stony Brook Middle School. He likes Christy. Christy. He's into Christy.
0: He and Christy went to the Halloween Hop together. A couple years ago now. Babysitter's Club number 2, Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls. Yep. They decided to go to the Halloween Hop together. Alan Gray has been a little bit of a fixture since then.
1: He's kind of a rude boy.
0: Yeah, he's a rude boy. He's,
1: he likes making jokes. He dresses his own Kind way. of crude.
0: It was kind of established in this book that Christy, even though she doesn't like many boys, she only likes two possible boys. Yep. Alan Gray is number two on that list, Yeah. so it's not looking after Bart. Bart Bart from Bart's Bashers. So, not super happy about
1: Alan's prospects with Christy. You know what he's got to do? He's got to pull out all the stops. Yeah. And he's got to find some way to impress her.
0: Boy, did he fucking pull out all the stops this week with what he was wearing. Cla- whatever Claudia was wearing, Claudia was wearing, like, yeah. I'm not, not looking at my notes. She was wearing leggings and... Some yeah. fucking oversized sweater, big and sweater, like, and it was whatever
1: a weird color and yeah. uh, skull earrings and a neon headband. Just
0: look at like whatever, oh, like... and her hair was dumb. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Alan Gray though. Whoa, that he was, was wearing some wild shit. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to catch old Christie's eye. Yeah, walk me through it. Uh, a hat, uh huh, with an alligator on top of it. Uh
0: oh. <laughs> and when he pulled this string, the alligator's mouth. Open and close, and it's tail wave back and forth.
1: Nice. <laughs>
0: That's a fucking awesome. That would catch my attention. Yeah, you fucking <laughs> bet it would. I would be like, see you later, Bart. I know that you're like the handsome coach of a Little League baseball team.
1: You got a hat like that, though, Bart? What does your the, hat I do? fucking think
0: so. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Baby Nation, take a second to picture this. It's an alligator hat. Yeah. It's got an alligator. There's a string coming out of yeah. it. And when you pull a string, the, <laughs> the fucking mouth the mouth opens and <laughs> closes
1: <laughs> and the tail goes back and forth. That's good. That's fucking awesome. Ooh. I'm gonna go on eBay right now and see if I can buy something similar.
0: Yeah, that is a fucking good idea. I normally don't do 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 do
1: do 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 alligator hat um yep, very good. Yeah. Alan Gribb is killing it this week. A rare appearance, melon Gray, but he yeah. just—he he came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> yeah, he came in like
0: a wrecking ball with the beautiful alligator-themed hat. Dude, what a badass! Christy, fucking don't choose Bart, choose Alan. He knows what he's about. I'm with Alan. I'm with Alan. hashtag hashtag I'm with Alan.
1: Fuck, I think I found it.
0: <laughs> Did you find it? Seriously? Maybe. No, this one doesn't move. This one doesn't animate. What did you go what did you Google? Animated and alligator hat? Alligator hat funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Listen, Baby Nation, we're gonna get back to you on that about how that goes. Janet, I'm gonna need you to kinda kinda come back to uh-huh. we're gonna, uh-huh. Let me we're get back to, to my make... notes. Yep. Um we're coming to the end of the episode. We've got a few segments. We got two segments in my mind that we need to get through. Yep. One of them is my literal favorite segment of all time. <gasps> Are you ready to talk about this? Yeah. Do we have a way
1: of introducing it? I'll introduce it because it's your turn. Okay. Um, Baby Nation. There's one character in these books who seems to be living a different life from everyone else. Uh Everyone else is living in this sleepy town, Stony Brook, Connecticut. But there's one character named Jackie Radowski Mm. who is prone to accidents. He's prone to mistakes. He's our walking disaster. Uh But it's not his fault. We... Jack Shepard and I have come to realize that he is a time jumper, a time walker who is unstuck from time, constantly skipping back and forth between the past, the future, and the present. This week, Jackie Radowski was up to Spy (laughs) Jinks. Yeah. So Jackie makes a number of appearances this week, but I think the most interesting Mm -hmm. to explore...
0: And ladies and gentlemen of the Baby Nation, this segment is called... Tracking, tracking Jackie We have to go back Here's what we've established Jackie Radowski This is a complicated segment Yeah, I'm gonna, explain a lot of it. Layers. I'm gonna explain it super fucking fast Jackie Radowski is always tripping over things He's super clumsy in a way that doesn't totally make sense What we have learned and what Anne Matthews Martin Princess Anne Martin Has discovered for us And shown to us is that what is actually happening is that Jackie jumps in and out of time, and when he jumps, the last thing that was on his mind, the last thing that occurred to him, influences where he goes. And then he lives out a lifetime in that world or in that space or on that temporal plane. Right. And then he blips back, and as far as Claudia and Stacy and Christy are concerned— Any of us. Or any of us, nothing is happening except that he just tripped over his shoelaces.
1: But— As we know, he lived out an entire lifeline. Right. Jack Shepard. Yes, sir. Jackie made a few appearances in this book. There's one in particular that jumped out at me, and I'm curious to hear what you think happened to him. Right. Stacy is going through some shit. She calls up the babysitter's club during club meeting. Uh Sacred time. Uh But Christy gives her a pass. Uh She goes around the room talking to everyone. She eventually makes her way to Christy. She says... It was our walking disaster? Mm-hmm. Jackie Radowski? Just the same. Babysat for him last week, and he rode his bike right into the garage wall. Skinned his knees, broke a flower pot, and later dropped a pizza on the floor. At least he didn't drop it on the rug. Yeah. Jack. Yeah. Paint me a picture. Let me paint you a picture. Paint me a picture with words. What happened to
0: Jackie Radowski? So there's a lot going on here. Yep. That's the first thing that happened to Jackie Radowski chronologically in this book. Right. Right. He rides his bike into a garage wall, skins his knees, breaks a flower pot, drops a pizza on the floor. Yep. The second thing chronologically that happens to him in this book, he squirts his hot dog across across the, the kitchen.
1: Room. Yep. It slips right out of the bun. Yeah. Shoots across the room. Squirts into the wall. Yep. The third thing that
0: happens to him chronologically in this book. Group hug, cried Claudia. And then the kids dropped their banner and ran to us babysitters. If you think there was hugging when I left New York, you should have seen what went on in the front yard of our new house. Yep. Although I have to admit that some of the boys, David, Michael Thomas, and Jackie Radowski in particular, said loudly that hugging was gross. Then we were all distracted when Jackie, our walking disaster, fell over a packing carton and cut his lip. Yep. That is the third thing. Yeah. Chronologically.
1: You want to co- You think you can you can manage to tie all three of these events together? In my mind, yeah,
0: that third thing is what happens to Jackie first. Okay, walk me through it. There's a group hug. Mm-hmm. Jackie's wondering about the dynamics of a group hug. Yeah, what do you do? A bunch of people get together, they hug each other. Yeah, sounds icky. He's like, oh, that sounds icky. He's just a six-year-old boy. Yep. All of a sudden, he looks around. It's cold. It's icy. The wind is blowing. He's on Robert Falcon Scott's (laughs) Terra Nova expedition to the South Pole. Uh They're hugging each other for warmth. Yeah. He suddenly realizes just what a group hug can mean when you're in extremis, when you're at the edges of very life depends on it. What humans can do. Right. It's not icky. It doesn't matter whether it's icky or weird. This is it. This is all we have. We're hugging each other for our very survival. Right. Should we explain that Sir Falcon? Falcon Scott? Yeah. Do you want to talk Sir about Falcon it? Sir
1: Falcon Scott led an expedition to the South Pole Yeah. in the early 20th century. Yeah. Um, didn't go great. Didn't go great. Yeah. Most of them died. Yeah. All of I them a, died?
0: I have a book on it that is written by one of the guys who is like on the first part of it. Yeah. It's just his diary of it and the title of the book is The Worst Journey in the World. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, so it didn't go great. Yeah. Um this group of explorers went down to the South Pole. Most of them died. Everyone died at the end. Everyone Not ended the folks up dying. who were on the boat. But yeah.
0: Robert Falcon Scott, at Jackie all. Radowski. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And the other <laughs> The other explorers just—and they were, like, so close to their boat, but they couldn't get out. And this is a true story from this expedition, Baby Nation, if you'll indulge me. Robert Falcon Scott is sitting there. He's writing in his diary. He's like, we're not going to make it. We're so close to the boat, but there's a fucking blizzard. We can't go out. And Jack Radowski is sitting there, and he's just like, I've got frostbite. I've got frostbite. My legs have frozen. I'm going to die. I'm holding you back. Yeah. He realizes that if they are ever going to walk again, he's going to hold them back and jeopardize their chances of living. Right. Once he realizes that even if the blizzard abates and they can go back to the ship, he's just going to hold them back.
1: Right. And also, frankly, this is but a moment in time yeah. to
0: the eternal being yeah. that is a Jackie right. But he's so cold. He's so cold. So cold. He realizes he's jeopardizing the mission. He's holding them back. He gets up. He looks out of the tent. He turns around and he says, I'm going for a walk. I may be gone some little time. And he just walks out in the snow. Yeah.
1: And I'm sure just just that as the old overtakes him
0: thing that he remembers is the human touch of a group hug. Yeah. And then boom, he's back. He's back not in that moment but in a moment about a day ago in stony brook his fucking hot dog squirts out of the bun hits the wall yep and then boom he's back again and he drops his fucking pizza on the ground yeah does that sound right yeah i, I guess <laughs> i don't know what sir falcon scott's
1: associate i'm pretty certain that it was jackie radowski yeah and he's lost control of his body because yeah. he's freezing to death yeah In the southern tundra. Right. And then he's back and he's shivering uncontrollably. Yeah. And then
0: he rides his bike right into a garage wall. He's like, bye, mom. I'm just going out for a bike ride.
1: I may be gone some little time.
0: Yeah. And then just boom. Yep. It's over. That
1: makes a lot of sense. Skins his knee. So Uh, there you go. What historians. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fucking eat it, historians. Stick that in your pipe.
0: Tanner. Let me ask you a quick question here. Yeah. This is a serious question. And it is as follows. Did you, sir, have a <laughs> can't hear that, baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just ignore that. Um, <laughs> Sir, did you have a burn in the wake? Yep. Stacy is babysitting her two favorite New York charges one final time, Grace and Henry. Uh-huh. Grace and Henry are sad to see her go, yep. but they um, are excited to spend one last evening with her. Uh-huh. They're worried that their parents are going to get a divorce. But Stacy assures them that their fights are but minor spats. Right. And that their parents actually love one another.
0: Very much, indeed.
1: Yeah, said Grace. This morning, Mommy said to Daddy, I love you. And Daddy said, I love you, too. And they kissed. hmm I smiled. That's nice. You guys don't have anything to worry about. I walked the kids into Grace's bedroom, where we read millions of cats. Then I tucked her in, said goodnight to her, and walked Henry to his bedroom, where we read outside over there the note I captured mm-hmm. is my burn of the week I bet millions of cats is Jack's favorite book <laughs> you son of a bitch
0: <laughs> fuck you so bad I will substantiate that as much as I don't want to because I didn't capture that section but I definitely read that section and I was like oh that sounds <laughs> That sounds like a really good book <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> look that up. This week's because...
1: burn of the week is on you, Jack <laughs> Shepard, because your favorite book is probably Millions of Cats. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. A book that promises millions of cats? No.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My notes this week are just like reread Hamlet, <laughs> <laughs> look up Millions of Cats. Tanner. Yeah. Sir. Jazz.
1: You know what we're doing here right now? Yep. We're wrapping up. Are we? Sir. Okay, I'd love to. I just ordered food to my wife. She sent me a text saying, love to see you before bedtime. Yep. just like Mr. and Mrs. McGill. (laughs) Yep.
0: (laughs) Next week, we're reading a book that is called Mallory and the Mystery Diary. It's a mystery book that doesn't feature Marianne.
1: I'm confused.
0: Yep, as am I. Mallory maybe finds a mystery diary? Who fucking knows? It sounds pretty awesome.
1: We're going to have to find a new bedrock, too. Yeah. I'm listless right now. Something that we
0: can't... Well, I lost
1: Mimi, I lost McGill's.
0: My bedrock, honestly, the only thing that's kept me going is Mr. Spear and Don's mom.
1: Well, this is a new Civil War
0: brewing. I think Maureen's going to play a spoiler here. I ship Maureen...
1: Maureen, McGill, and... Mr. Spear. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't looked in his name yet. Yeah. Yeah. I ship them.
0: Well, I ship... And ladies and gentlemen of Baby Nation who don't know what ship means, don't feel bad about it. Sure, for a relationship. But it's like when you care about a relationship. Yeah. I don't know, man. I ship. Fuck, fuck my life that it's come to this. But I do genuinely ship Mr. Spear and
1: Mrs. Schaefer. Yeah. Or Ms. Porter. Oh, ooh. ooh. Yep. You think she's going to end up with? You think Mr. Spears is going to end up with Morbid Destiny? No,
0: I don't. <laughs> I know that, and and a Baby Nation member has pointed this out to us that Don's mom's maiden name is Porter, just like Morbid Destiny. Something we don't have time to get into this week. So you
1: think Mr. Spears is going to end up with Morbid Destiny? Weird, out of left field, but fine. <laughs> I've been Tanner Greenring. I've been Jack Shepard. <laughs> this has been the Babysitters Club Club. Join us next week when we discuss book number twenty nine. Mallory and the the Mystery Diary Mystery Diary you did such a good job
0: I'm just gonna let you I'm just gonna let you end there Claudia don't you fucking you just said you're gonna let me end it there I'm gonna let you end there I am now gonna say Claudia is wearing a bra now and the way she talks you'd think boys had just been in in 86 Anna Martin wrote the first book what became came club now it's time baby babysitter's
1: club, club.
0: Un, listen i can deux, tell you i can tell you now something that's not going it's not going to make the fucking four. episode is like the scenes of you pulling shit out of my brick wall
1: how do you say four
0: in french yeah quatre
1: Un, deux
0: trois quatre, quatre. Mm. I don't like I don't like what you're doing with the R there. Quatre, 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 quatre. Don't get too hung up on it. It's just quatre, quatre. It's like cat, cat, and then quatre.
1: Quatre. quatre,
0: quatre, quatre. Good.
1: Un, deux, trois,
0: quatre. Now I'm worried about your one, two, and three, which are all a little shaky as
1: well. They're good. Un, uh. un, <laughs> deux, deux, deux.
0: deux. Trois, let's get that Trois Trois Un Un Deux Deux Trois, Trois. 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 Perfect Got it Going to France Great. next week That's Good. helpful. Thank <laughs> you <laughs> Great Counts to four